So this morning, the title of my message is Abide, Abiding in Him. Um, or actually abiding in the love of the Father. And what I want to do is I want to preach on the... Sure, that was slick. But we're not professionals. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I know, I know. Um, for the next three weeks, I really want to preach on the ABC of the kingdom. So the foundations, the fundamentals of, of the kingdom of God. And I'm gonna, this morning we're going to preach or we're going to talk about abide and then next week belong and the week after that contribute. Um, and I want to start with abide because this is really the foundation of who we are as Christians. And I'm going to explain what abide means if you don't know. Um, but this is the foundation. This is what makes us who we are. And we need to understand who we are and we need to understand who God is before we can belong to one another, so before we can do be, and before we can contribute in this church family, we first need to understand what, who God is, what He's done, and who we are. Because only when we abide is belonging and contributing in Christ. Otherwise, it's actually out of the flesh. If we don't abide in Christ, if we don't walk with Him, and if we're not in deep fellowship and intimacy with, with God, the belonging and the contributing are actually in the flesh, and it's not actually in Christ. And actually, when we only belong, it becomes a social club. Then you might as well join a rugby club, or, I don't know, athletics, or swimming, or, what, or some chess, if you're not into sports, or whatever. But it becomes a social club, just a place where you belong, and where you make friends, and people support you, and that's not the bad thing. But this is not what, what the church is. Only, and when we only contribute, so in other words, if you don't abide in Christ and you're not really part of us, but you, you do contribute, it actually, that's dead works. And sooner or later, you're going to burn out because it's not the, the source, the foundation of, of, of where you're contributing from is actually not correct. And we actually only, we also only can't abide in Christ. You know, like some people would say, it's only about me and God and our relationship and how I walk with Him. But actually, that's also unbiblical. Because God calls each one of us to make disciples, and He calls each one of us to be salt of the earth, light of the world. And you can't do that by yourself. You need to be in a church. So really, the abiding, the belonging, and, and the contributing, the ABCs, is actually, it's, it's crucial, and it's actually the foundations of God's kingdom. So this morning, we can look at abiding in Christ. And we have to start with that. Because belonging and, and contributing don't make sense if we do not abide first. And in order for each and every one of us to live a fruitful life that brings glory to God. Because ultimately that's what we want. Eh? Each one of us hopefully wants to live a fruitful life and we want to bring glory to God. We want to stand before God one day and, say, and, and, and hear Him say, well done my good and faithful servant. Um, yeah, and in order to do that, we need all three. We need to abide in Him, we need to belong to one another, and we need to contribute. So, speaking of abiding, there are almost two key areas that I want to look at this morning when we, when we speak about abiding in Him. And the, the first key is who God is and what He has done for us. So, we're going to look at, at that. And after we've looked at that, how do we respond? So who, who is God? What has He done for us? And then in light of that revelation, what is the appropriate way to respond? 
and who God is, it is so amazing in the New Testament, like Jesus came to reveal who to us? The Father, right? He came to reveal the Father to us. Um, and that is the new covenant that we have in Jesus, that he, he didn't only come to reveal God to us, but he actually came to reveal a Father to us. In John 1.18, it says, No one has ever seen God, but God, the one and only who is at the Father's side, that's Jesus, has made him known. Jesus has made the Father known to us. And in John 14, verse 6 to 10, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really knew me, you would know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and you have seen him. And then Philip didn't understand this. He was like, what? Because I think it was such a foreign concept for them to understand that Jesus is, re is revealing, I mean, that Jesus is Jesus. They obviously didn't get that. But even more so that he came to reveal not only, uh, not a distant God that we have to bring sacrifices to, but he came to reveal a loving Father. Um, so Philip said, Lord, show us the Father, and that will be enough for us. So, they, I mean, there was a hard cry of him to really know the Father, right? Jesus answered, don't you know me, Philip, even after I've been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. Jesus came to reveal the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and the Father is in me? The words I say to you are just not my own. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Such a profound scripture for me. And really, I mean, it's so evident that... Oh, sorry. It's so evident that, um, that Jesus came to reveal the Father to us because Philip didn't understand what he was saying. Like Jesus was saying, I'm the life, the, the, the way, the truth, and the life. I came to reveal the Father. And then Philip was going, but show us the Father. And Jesus went, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. He didn't understand that everything Jesus was and did and said was actually a revelation of the Father. Um, and I'm going to quote Jeff. He always says, I hope this is good. No, I'm joking. <laughs> this is good. He always says God is a father who happens to be a judge and who happens to be a creator, etc. It's not the other way around. He is a father first and foremost to us. In the Old Testament, people had glimpses of God. You know, we read Moses. If you read the story of Moses, he was giving, given a limited vision of God's glory. Um, Isaiah received a vision from um, God as well, but it was only limited it wasn't the full picture, but Jesus is the fulfillment of those events, actually. He makes a stunning claim that if we have seen him, we have seen the Father. So we, we don't, we as new covenant, and when I say new covenant, I, I'm speaking about what Jesus did on the cross for us. We have the absolute privilege of knowing, seeing, experiencing, walking with our Father. Not only with a distant God, but with a Father that loves us. And that should be something that makes us excited. It should be something that, that actually changes us. Um, I, I remember when, 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 Jesus, when God or the Holy Spirit, when he came and just gave me this revel, re revelation. I mean, I was a Christian for many years at that stage, but there was always something lacking. I mean, I understand, I really do, that I've been saved by grace. I think God is really... Um, in, during my life, and he continues to do that. I'm not obviously the perfect product yet. No, no, no I'll, I'll never be. <laughs> but 
But I do understand that Jesus died for my sins, that there's nothing, nothing, nothing I, I can contribute towards my salvation. I, I, I understand that, and I did un- understand it back then, but there was always something missing. And then just through, yeah, just through a, a friend and, and God just working in me, I had this profound revelation that God is not only a God, but He's actually my Father. And the analogy that I want to use is, who, who likes chocolate cake? Cheapest. I thought it would be more. <clears throat> anyway, talking to the wrong crowd here. Yeah, they're just embarrassed. Yeah. <laughs> so everyone loves cake. Hey, I mean that was the. I thought that was the most gen- general thing that that people would like. But anyway, so if if it's your birthday and you wake up and you're depending on if you're married, your spouse or your mom or your dad or your friends or whoever is busy baking you a chocolate cake and they're putting all your favorite ingredients in it and you wake up to the smell of this thing in the oven. I think you bake cake in an oven. No, I'm joking. Um, and you see your whoever is, is busy getting the icing ready and all the toppings ready and it's obviously your birthday so you assume quite rightly that, that this cake is for you and you know, this person bakes a cake, you know, decorates it, whatever and, this, and you're sitting watching and this person cuts this massive slice, like bigger than normal. And you like cheapers, it's my birthday, so I mean, this is great. Puts it on the plate, and then takes a fork or, or whatever, and takes a tiny bit and brings that to you and say, happy birthday, here's a piece of your cake. I mean, it's going to suck, right? Because you had this massive expectation of having a big piece of cake. But you'll obviously still enjoy that bite, hopefully. It's not gonna, I mean, you're not going to be satisfied, but you'll still enjoy it. And I really believe that, and I'm not a heretic, just hear what I'm saying, but to know that Jesus died for our sins, that we've been reconciled to God, is only a part of that cake. It does satisfy, but it's not all of it. It's not the only thing that we want. The revelation of the Father, and knowing that, and walking with the Father is like having that piece of cake. That is the thing that satisfies. Not only knowing that Jesus died for your sins. Very important, the foundation of everything that we do. So please hear what I'm not saying. But to have a relation with the Father, for me at least, it was just something that it radically changed everything. And I really believe the human heart above all else longs for the love of the Father. And I think in today's world, we try to satisfy that longing with all sorts of stuff. Medication, which is not, there's nothing wrong with, with meds, but that becomes a thing that we try to, to, um, to fill our hearts with. It can be exercise, it can be a job, it can be money, it can be whatever, family, whatever. Um, we, we try to satisfy this longing in us for this massive piece of cake with all sorts of stuff, but actually, the human heart above all else actually longs for the love of the Father. So, hopefully this morning... As I talk, if you, don't know, if you don't know that God is your Father, I'm really hoping that His Spirit will just minister to you. Because that is who He is. That is the key of abiding in Him, is knowing who He is. And that He is our Father, and that He loves, desperately loves us. So that is who He is. He is our Father. And then the second part is what He has done for us. So God is our Father. That's the first part of, of abiding in Him. And now what is God done for us. And I want to say the new covenant. Now again, 
the new covenant is when Jesus died for us, we are now in a covenant, an everlasting covenant with God. But the new covenant is actually a family covenant. Do you know that you are now his sons and daughters? You've been brought close to him. You are now his sons and daughters. And the Bible actually says that Jesus is the firstborn among many brethren. In 2 Corinthians 6 verse 18, Paul says, he's quoting from the Old Testament. He says, I'll be a father to you, first part, that's who he is, and you will be my sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. 1 John 3 verse 1 to 3, such a profound scripture. How great is the love of the Father. Again, that's who he is to us. Sorry, how great is the love that the Father has lavished on us, that we should be called children of God. And that is what we are. The reason the world does not know us is that it did not know him. Dear friends, we are now children of God. And what we will be has not yet been made known, but we know that when he appears, when he comes back, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. Everyone who has this hope in him purifies himself just as he is pure. And, I, and as I've been reading this this, this this week, that verse 3, everyone who has this hope in, in him, what hope is that? It's this hope knowing that I'm a child of God, that he is a father to me and we are his children. And that is what changes us. That is what, what convicts us of sin. That is what... what um, even if we are tired and even if we don't want to, that's what makes us devoted to one another and devoted to God and devoted to His church. That is why we say no to certain things and why we say yes to certain things, even if it's uncomfortable. It's because He's a father to me, I'm His child, and I'm going to see Him as He is one day. And that should, that should be the, the thing that we see that changes us. doesn't make sense. So God shows His love towards us that we should be called, called children of God. And that is really what he has done for us. So he's our father. We are his children. We are in a family covenant. He has put us into family. We belong to him. Um, and because we belong to him, we actually belong to one another as sons and daughters, as brothers and sisters. And that is the second part which we will talk on about next week. But that is the thing of this profound mystery of belonging to one another. It's because we're in a family now. Because, and God is our father. In Romans 8, verse 14 to 17, you are really on point, eh? Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear, but you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father, the Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Isn't that like an amazing scripture? It's beautiful. When we accept Jesus as our Savior, and when we receive his Spirit, and when we are led by his Spirit, we are adopted into his family. We are now called sons and daughters of the living God, a father to us. And the amazing thing is, his Spirit testifies with our spirit that we are his child. So you, I mean, we go through life, we get bumps, but what is, this is now off script, I'm sorry, but when Jesus, I'm reading through Matthew at the moment, when Jesus went into the wilderness to get tested by the devil, what was the biggest thing that the devil tried to make him doubt? His identity, if you are the son of God, do this and this and this. 
if you are the son of God, then, you know. So the biggest thing that, that gets thrown at us is actually our identity. And again, that is the foundation of abiding in him, is knowing who we are. And the amazing thing is when we start to doubt, his spirit actually comes alongside us, in us, and he goes, you are a child of God. God loves you. He is your father. He is not distant. You have an open heaven. Haman this morning prayed, thank you, God, for an open heaven. You have an open heaven. You have access to God 24-7. And that is what changes us, I believe. That is what, what, what causes us to say no to sin and yes to his, his kingdom. Isn't that amazing, guys? So you might sit here, and either you've never accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, which actually means that you do not know God as a Father because Jesus came to reveal the Father. And as I've been speaking, I'm hoping the Holy Spirit is really stirring you and stirring your heart to actually know Him like this, because you can know Him like this. And yeah, we'll, we'll do some, some, some praying later, but, but you will have opportunity to respond to Him. And even for the rest of us, if you are already saved and you follow God, and you just need a fresh revelation that He is your Father and He loves you, we'll, we'll, we'll do some ministry later. So the first key of abiding in Him is, is we speak about who He is, and He is our Father. And then the second part is what He has done for us. And that is, he is he has, when, if you know Jesus, He has accepted you into His family. You are now His son and, and His daughter, and now you belong to Him and you belong to each other now. And this is really, that two things is really the foundation out of which everything else flows. If you can just put up that title slide again, um, Lauren, that would be great. The, the, the ABC thing. Thanks, sorry. To know that will give us the motivation, not, but it's not only about motivation, but the desire, the devotion, everything, to belong to one another and to contribute to one another because of, of, what, of who he is and what he has done and because we abide in him. Thanks. So the second key to abiding in Him is then our response. So if we know who He is, if we know what He has done for us, what is the appropriate way to respond? Because there is an appropriate way to respond. Um, and this can be found in John 15, verse 4 to 5. So it says, remain in me. Some translations will say, abide in me. And I will remain in you. This is Jesus speaking to his disciples. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. If a man remains in me and I in him, he will bear much fruit. Apart, apart from me, you can, you can do nothing. So, you know, like I've said, some translations will use the word abide instead of remain. Um, but really to remain really means to stay where you are, right? If I tell my daughter, remain at the back, don't run around, but remain there, she'll hopefully, I mean, <laughs> I'm about 50%, I'm joking, but hopefully she'll know that she needs to remain where she is. So it means to stay where you are. And that, I mean, Jesus is speaking in the context of that we've, if you know Jesus, we've been placed in Christ, Jesus revealed the Father to us. We are, we are now His children in His family. That is our position. That is where we should remain, in that place, of knowing who He is and of knowing what He has done for us. And if you remain in that place, 
then you will bear much fruit. This is the position that we are in. And that doesn't, like, that is God's absolute grace and mercy. He um, does that. So in our daily walk, we should stay in intimate fellowship with the Lord. We should remain in Him. As a branch abides in the vine, by drawing all its life and nourishment from the vine, so we abide in Christ. And we, by spending time in prayer, by reading and obeying His Word, um, by fellowshipping with one another, being devoted to one another, and being continue, continually aware of our union with Him. Sorry, I'm, I messed it up. Let me just read that again. So if we abide in Christ by spending time in a branch abides in the vine by drawing all its life and nourishment from the vine. And so we do, do that with Christ. We remain in Him and we draw our life and what we need from Him. And we do that by spending time in prayer, by reading and obeying His Word, by, by belonging to one another, um, and just continually just being aware of our position in Christ, that He is our Father, that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, He is our Father, and we are His sons and His daughters. And really, as we remain in Him, we are aware of Him remaining in us. And that's what, what this Scripture speaks about. As we walk with Him, as we fellowship with Him, as we are intimate with Him, his Spirit, and that's what Romans speaks about, His Spirit continually comes and just reassures us that you are a child of God. God is your Father, and we are so then aware of us abiding in Him. So, that's, so we abide in Him by being aware that He abides in us. The branch can only produce fruit if it remains in the vine. The only way we can produce Christ-like character and fruit in our lives is by living in step with His Spirit moment by moment moment, just being aware. He's my father, I'm his son, I'm his daughter, he loves me and I'm going to remain in him. I mean, e even this week, um, I have a wife that <coughs> calls me out on things, unfortunately. No, I'm joking, it's, it's obviously great. Um, yeah, it's very good, yeah. <laughs> and even this week, there were, there were one or two days when, where I was a bit under pressure and I was a bit harsh with my children which is obviously not great. And she called me out. I repented. I said sorry to them. I came before God. I said, God, I'm sorry. And then the next day, I was harsh with them again. And I, and I actually just realized, and please hear me out. We have to say no to sin, and we have to repent. We have to repent. But as soon as I went before God, and I said, God, I don't want to be harsh to my children. I don't want them to grow up remembering their dad as a harsh person. I want to be graceful and I want to be gentle and I'll be loving and compassionate and kind to them. But I know I can't do that. It's not in me. I, apart from me, you can do nothing. I know I can't. And I really just yielded and I surrendered that, that harshness to him. And I asked him, just come and change me. I can't change myself. And as soon as I did that, something broke and it was gone. God's grace just came. He just anointed me with his grace again, and it, 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 it was gone. I tried, but as soon as I just went and I said, God, I can't, he actually came. So we really, we should remain in him. And as we remain in him, he remains in us, and he reminds us of who we are, who he is. Jesus is the vine, we are the branches. We must allow the Holy Spirit to flow through us. Just as a branch draws its life from the vine, we must draw our life and what we need from God. We must allow His Holy Spirit to flow through us, yeah, just like the life of the vine flows through the branches. 
Because it says in, in, that, thanks, Warren, in that scripture, apart from me, you can do nothing. So as we walk with him, submit to him, remain in him, he comes and he produces fruit in our lives, which is obviously what we want. And you know, vine branches aren't good for making furniture, and they're not good for building houses, but they're good for being fruit. And we are vine branches, and we should bear fruit. And we, the only way we do that is by abiding in, in, in Him. So just, yeah, so I am a teacher, sorry about this. So this is the first thing. The first key of abiding in Him is asking the Holy Spirit to really show us that He is our Father. And I, like, I, like I'm, I've no doubt that if we get that revelation, because it's the Holy Spirit that reveals that to us, like we cannot say the same. You cannot say the same if you know God is your Father. Um... And once we understand that, then we understand that we are his children, that we are in his family, we belong to him, we belong to one another. We've been adopted into his family, the Bible says in that Romans 8 scripture, because of Jesus dying on the cross for us. And as we know that, and as we realize that, we abide in him as we walk with him. And as we walk with him, we are so aware that he abides in us as well, and we draw our life from him. And out of that place... We belong and we contribute. It has to always be out of, out of that place. Yeah, so I would like us to respond. So worship team, you guys can just come and play. Um, <clears throat> yeah, and I would, yeah I, I would really love each and every one of us to respond. So can we just all stand, please?